podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Right, well, with uh, Andy Rishton here today to talk about the Home Counties Premier League. Andy, one of our successful England eleven, who's just been over in Spain and won the European Championships. Uh, Andy scored almost 7,500 runs and taken over 340 wickets himself. Uh, but he's going to talk about the, the Home Counties Premier League today. So, end of the season, High Wickham, they came top quite comfortably, to say the least. They beat Wargrave by 60-odd points to into second place. Down at the bottom, uh, Slough, big club, they uh, went down. And Harefield in Middlesex also went down. And Andy's club, Wokingham, I won't say just escaped relegation because they were in third bottom, but they were 29 points clear of Harefield. Simple question, Andy, to get you going, man. Welcome to the pod. Any surprises there in what happened in the season last year? Uh, yeah, I think you touched on a couple already. So High Wicker winning by, by week, that probably wasn't a big surprise. Um, but good for them to see their strong club, good team. Wargo coming second was was a bit of a surprise. Um, if you look at their team and players, you probably suggest it might not, but it's the first year they've been in the league. They were penalised um, 25 points at the end, but they had to appeal. I think they were penalised 70 points to start the season right. to, to finish actually second. And if you added those penalty points back on, it gets a little bit closer. Yeah, um, Like a phenomenal effort for a very young team. Um, a lot of new, lad, new lads there as well. And I know they'll recruit really well. And then Slough as well to go down. Massive club, really important for both Bucks and Berkshire with our pathway system. A lot mm. of their Colts guys comes through us. Um, so for them to go down, was, it's pretty sad, but hopefully they'll bounce back. And I know that um, they're very, uh, they're a ground in demand really through Bucks and Berkshire as well. So um, it'd be great to have them back in the fold next couple of years. Definitely. And across the league, I, you know, it was quite obvious Slough was the biggest surprise by a long way to see them not just go down, but quite comfortably go down, really, didn't they? Yeah, I think um, I think they might struggle a little bit with uh, availability and, and creating a creating a team. Um, mm-hmm. They've got some good players, but um, I think the without yeah, maybe the demographic of the team are moving through life a bit further now than potentially five years ago when they were really competing. Yeah. Um, I know they went down and uh, they came back up this year. They've gone straight back down again, which is a shame to see. Um, but I have no doubt they'll restructure again and and come back even stronger. Brilliant. That's so let's have a look at the, the batters across that league, Hugh. Um, there's some decent numbers in there, isn't there? There is, yeah, yeah. We're on top of my head before we jump to the batters because uh, I'll forget if I uh, don't mention now. But uh, very close league. Mm. Um, it's You've got, obviously, Wokeham down third bottom, 199 points, and Wargrave second from top, 247. So everybody in the middle there really, really bunched Thanks. together. So you, you've got a couple of outliers, top and bottom, but everyone else, you know, I mean, it wouldn't have taken much... Um, for Wokingham to be flying up that league. So it's, uh, you know, good for next season. Would that have anything to do with Andy Rishton's availability, do you reckon, Hugh? Well, well you know, I mean, I we'll wasn't going to We'll come to that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Let's have a look at those batters in that league. Yeah. Um, yeah, so top, um, Billy Mead. I've, I've written down Billy Mead for some reason, but Billy Mead, uh, top top there. Um, 793 runs at 66. Again, um fewer games played than some of the northern league so you know these numbers are, are very very good so um strike rate of 95 as well for Datchett. um Elliot Callis uh, second for high wickham 702 runs at 50 in striking over 80 um aj woodland who uh, is w- wickham as well he's come up here as uh, bucks but uh, wickham as well 
Uh, he's on uh, 675 runs at 48. So there's a couple of real strong batters at the top of the top of the charts for High Wickham, which you know one of the reasons why they've they've done so well. Uh, Dan Lincoln Wargrave 600 runs or 598 at 46 again striking at 100. And That's then a nice strike rate for Dan. Yeah, Hayden yeah. Russo. He'll be upset with that. <laughs> Uh, Hayden Russo um, at Aston Round, um, 550 runs at 40. Um, so it, it's these strike rates. I mean, we've seen throughout the the summer with it being a difficult summer, it, it's been hard for batters to get the strike rates too high. So to have three guys in the top six, uh, we've got Brock Hardy there at sixth, yeah. um, striking at 103. Three guys basically striking at or near 100 Runs per 100 balls is, is fantastic in this damp summer. Definitely. Don't. I think one of the keys to the league there that I've seen, Andy, is that in the top seven batters, four of them are from High Wycombe. Um, is that just 100% simply why they won the league in the end? Yeah, you beat me to it. Um, absolutely. So to have AJ, Elliot, Brock Hardy, I can't remember the other one. Teddy, 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 Teddy Cassidy. You've, you've obviously got four lads, three minor county players, one very good overseas. They have a good wicket at at, uh, at Wickham, and yeah, simply it just blew blew players away. And on the strike rate, the one that was will go under the radar because he didn't play twelve games with the highest score of the league was one eighty. Was Calvin Dickinson? He only batted twelve times, strike over one hundred thirty three. I mean, not many people may may really have heard of Calvin, but he is an unbelievable talent. He was a pro at Hampshire for for a fair little while, and he kind of dipped his toe back into back into league as and when, as I say, like same Slough, his life's moving on a bit more. He's got a bit more holidays and other bits planned and work, but that. You know, shows just the strength of the league and the the strike rates being so high. Just how the leagues are promoting white ball focused cricket or pink balls who play on Saturday to push into minor counties and onwards into hopefully onto major counties. Billy Mead to play sixteen games for about sixteen times, striking ninety five and highest score of the league is phenomenal. And he he worked really hard. And not many people know this. He has a first class hundred for Kent against Sri Lanka A team last summer. Um, you know, he's got a future in the game if he wants it. Mm, and he made yeah. his Berkshire debut and, and held a held his own in that as well. I spotted he's been playing Derbyshire twos, Sussex twos this summer, Billy Mead. So obviously, yeah, going, you know, being tested out by a number of counties. How how old is Billy? It's on my head. I reckon he's twenty four, maybe right, older. Okay. Yeah, yeah, around around that age. Good age. Right, I so, mean, he just knows his yeah. game now. Mm. Knows his game very well. And it, yeah. is the you talk about off off camera where we're talking about demographics of how clubs are changing. Has the demographic in the league changed in the past five years in terms of? these young guns are starting to come through, especially in the batting area. I, th- I think so, absolutely. And I think if you looked at the interesting stats to try and find how many players are now getting signed that started in this league three or four or five years ago, 18, 19, 20, that have gone on to play fresh cricket. Off the top of my head, Jack Davies, Tom Scriven, obviously two Berkshire lads I know relatively well. They've come through the league. And yeah, just just some decent wickets being prepared, I think, has made a massive difference. We're so blessed with a handful of really good and dedicated groundsmen who looked after well at the club, at the clubs they're at. You know, Connor Haddo, for example, Aaron Oram, who's also an umpire in the league, does they they already cover four of the four of the grounds out of the nine. And that alongside just just good cricketers and just um clubs that are willing to invest in young lads and now they're seeing seeing the fruits. And in terms of the junior setups of the clubs across the league, is it generally strong? Something I have less knowledge in, just because uh obviously with my work it takes me away from from the league and the counties. But um I know from a working point of view, if we have seven men's teams so to even fill any you know 77 players on a Saturday we have been to our Colts seven men's Saturday teams and then on a Sunday we have two or one Sunday and then what's called an Oaks and Acorn so like a dads and sons which is really cool um, but I know like uh, an example Jaden Barton who plays now Berkshire 18s 
Um, he's on the academy for Berkshire lads. He's come through the working age groups and plays for our first team now. And I think if you look at most clubs, that's now the case, um, which is which is great to see, right? So my rough calculations say that to have seven teams out on a Saturday for Woking and that's 77 players, you've got to have a squad of about 140 to 150 to make sure you've got availability throughout the year. I reckon. And I reckon that's probably half and half men's to lads 15 upwards or maybe maybe a few more men, maybe 100, maybe mm-hmm. 80, 80 men and and the rest would you, you'd say is a cult. So you're blooding a lot of the under 15s, 16s, <clears> 17s <throat> very quickly in those you know, team seven down to the fourth 11 for it or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. It's it's it is a changing when we talk to the Southern Leagues, Hugh, the, the volume of players is just so much bigger, isn't it, to, to pick from. But there's so many more clubs as well to, to to turn up at. Yeah, I suppose I mean we're we're sort of more rural, aren't we? Um but there's probably more clubs around us than there is in the Southern Leagues, but obviously, you know, that just from a purely more more open space. And but the, de- but the but, depths there. But, but exactly, but you've got the, the population more concentrated. So these, you know, the more um, populous clubs in these urban areas or more more urban areas um, are able to build these big big teams. But also they need to have the organisation and the club's structures in place to be able to manage it. And, and, and you know, it, that's not an easy thing. So absolutely fantastic for all these teams to be, to be producing and, and running so many teams and so many juniors. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I'm looking from an outside in perspective, uh, Andy. It's no, it can't be just a coincidence that some of the strongest minor counties, national counties, as we're now called, come from that that area because there's so much choice to come from, isn't there? Yeah, I think I think you're spot on. We're hugely lucky uh, where, where we are between Berkshire and the home council on the whole. You get a lot of lads who who grow up in the area move somewhere for work but then are happy to commute back if that's from you like universities yeah. you know look at George Tate's of, of the world who's Oxfordshire lad is at Loughborough and travels down and we mentioned off camera Tom Henley obviously travels to East Grinstead mm-hmm. as well as from London once they once they if they decide to move that way and, and play and, and I think when you haven't got when you haven't got a major county to feed into and, and to play professional cricket you you look at how you make best of what you've got in, in the leagues and then through the minor county or the national county setup and I think obviously yeah the other one is demographic us actually being relatively close together as as a as a home county sort yeah. of collective and we play against each other regularly on Saturdays and then on Sundays the competitions there it's just an absolute willingness to win if you look at Oxfordshire in the last handful of years they've been absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And obviously we've kept on our, our streak as well. So it's been good. And Bucks, obviously, this year, can't can't not mention Bucks. They obviously won the, they were brilliant. The Red Bull stuff come up to Div 1 last year. And you look at it again, it's Callis, Callis and, and Woodland from the previous year. We've got them mm-hmm. load of runs in again this year. And Connor Haddo being MVP with his bowling. Yeah. Obviously, we play a lot against them on a Saturday. And yeah, it's just, it's just really cool. It's really cool yeah. to play against each other a lot and, and to get better. Which goes back to what Hugh was saying about that gap between second place and you know, the competitiveness of the league's brilliant, isn't it, to say the least. Let's have a look at the overseas guys in the league. Uh, you know, I'll ask you, Andy, who stands out for you in terms of the overseas? And we'll look at their numbers. Uh, Brock Hardy, probably first at the bat, High Wickham, won the, won the league, batting middle order, um, strikes it very clean. From personal experience, he hits it pretty hard. Um, <laughs> striking at the 110s across the league and I mean, batting in the middle order, you're never going to be that bloke that scores big hundreds and carries scores upwards from the foundations. But my word, he comes in and jacks. Um, so you had him. We I think thinking about the leagues. Wargrave obviously had. Uh, oh, I was going to break me a yeah. kiwi. Oh, going to really upset me if I don't know it. Were we talking bowler or bat to leave? All rounder, all rounder. He came in and had to leave slightly early. 
Um, you and you got uh, we got you and Woods at Wargrave in the all rounders column here. Uh, Josh Lincoln, um, Josh Lincoln all rounder. Oh, you love that. Well, he's he's up there. He's up there. <laughs> it's, 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 his numbers are really good, actually. Yeah, to be surprised, his numbers are always good. His numbers are always yeah. good. Nick Kelly, Harefield, can't forget Nick Kelly. Uh, Kiwi batter, very yeah. very good player. Mm-hmm. Really organised, hard to get out. Also now trying to trying to find him. No, it's, uh, I was just. Um, we've got Benjamin Labass at the top of the wicket. Um, is he? Is he an yeah. overseas? Yeah, so he's, he's he's hard to pick out sometimes. It's a great name. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he is. I think he's a he counts as a local. I think left arm spinner, good mm-hmm. bowler. Yeah, obviously you can't get that many wickets. Not a good bowler, but just his relentless pressure. Yeah, doesn't really have um doesn't give a batter an out. Yeah, Rowan obviously well not obviously they won the league last year, which some would say well, that's a bit surprised. But actually, if you if you see them and play against them, they are a really, really well-run club. Josh Smith, who's, who's their chairman and plays in the first team, he's ex-first team captain, um, runs a pretty tight ship, and uh, Wes Morick, uh, their club coach, ex- ex-player as well. They just play as a team. If you ever want an example of how to win matches as a team, just go and watch them on Saturday. Um, and they think they can't be many third. Premier League chairman who play first team cricket. Got, that's, a, that's a new one for us, Hugh, isn't it? Uh, well, there I'm, we go. It's not, it's not, I haven't come across it yet. No, that's no. the first one. So there we go. Why well, they're, well, they're such a good. Let, let, let's sort of we'll come back and forth to the all round uh, to the all rounders and uh, overseas. I'm sure, but in terms of the bowlers, we've got Benjamin Labat at the top. Who else we got there, uh, Hugh? Well, we've got Mohammad Rizvi, uh, who I think is he Australian. He's, he's played for Australian universities eleven, apparently. I don't know whether that counts. Um, we'll go with um, that. I will go with that. I think, but that's probably in this country. So he's played played for a lot of teams um, for a while. So. No, but it doesn't look like he is an overseas. It's hard to pluck out these overseas. Mm. Um, so he's he's uh, stacking 32 wickets. So Benjamin Abbas top 36 wickets at 13. Mohamed Rizvi, 32 wickets. Uh, sorry, 36 wickets for Benjamin Abbas. 32 wickets for Mohamed Rizvi at 15. Connor Haddo, 32 wickets at 15. AJ Woodland, who's turning up in uh, both columns. Um, That's key. Um, well, 31 wickets at 16. Tom Nugent and Henley, 31 wickets at 18. So these, we haven't, I mean, I mean, these are very, very good bowling averages, but um, in a few of the other leagues, we've seen guys into the 11s and some Think below. Single figures, yeah. um, so, so, I mean, 13 is absolutely fantastic, but the, the 15, 16, again, shows you that some good wickets have been played on here. We're not, you know, particularly in uh, a difficult summer. Definitely it's, not been a, it's not been a bowler's paradise from, from glancing at the stats. And I think when you can go back to that competitiveness yeah. again, the, the amount of wickets taken in the Premier League are lower than what we've seen in some areas. Yeah. But the amount of runs are also... And it's a real balance, and it, it looks to be a quite an exciting league to play in, Andy. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's one of those leagues where anyone can can knock over anyone on any given Saturday, which is great. I mean, how fun is that to, to turn up every Saturday and not just think, oh, we're going to get rolled by High Wickham, and actually, you know, anyone, anyone can win on their day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the grounds is a really interesting point. Obviously, we all know how wet of a summer it was, but I kind of mentioned them already. The grounds have been brilliant and all the grounds looked after well. Batters, again, mentioned already the power and the explosiveness and the amount of run being scored by individuals is massive. And bowlers have found it probably a bit harder than what they're used to yeah. uh, to pick up these wickets. And to, you know, get to, I think if, if you get above 28, getting around the 30, 30 wickets mark regularly, mm-hmm. You are you're doing really well, and and AJ, you mentioned being an all rounder. He's quickly becoming the sort of player to be uh, in the league. Opening batter can open the bowling, offers everything, fields and slips when when he wants to. And obviously, being I think if I mentioned Chris Peplow as a as one of the kind of our greatest spinners we've come across, 
you know, he's now finding it harder and harder and harder to get wickets, which is again showing strength of the batting and the ability of the wickets to, to provide a nice place to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and the other one I'd pick out there you mentioned was Tom Nugent, consistently yeah. in that 30 mark, isn't he, for the last yeah. you know number of years. It's maybe half a dozen, even more mate, now, showing Zoe's a bit Nugent. Maybe 10 years, I reckon. He's mm-hmm. now, yeah, maybe since he was about 18, 19, to, to be constantly around the 25 upwards mark is pretty phenomenal effort. It is, it is. But And what are your colleagues from... The, the England 11's not done bad himself, Mr. Connor Haddo, has he? Yeah, Con had the uh, cheat codes, left-arm spinners. Just, if you were to have a kid, just make sure they throw in bowl left-arm. <laughs> just a smart cricketer. Mate, just a smart cricketer is Connor. He's, he's very, because um, he's been in the professional game, you know, he knows his own game very well. He knows what he's good at. He knows he knows not necessarily whether to pile the pressure or to bowl the magic ball. Very clever with his field sets. Just a guy in complete mastery of, of what he wants and, or how he knows to go about it. Um, and it's just nice, actually, to see him see him getting some reward for the hard work he's put in since he had, he's had a shoulder, bad shoulder, shoulder up, I think, yeah. five, six years ago when he did leave North Ants. Um, and to win, obviously, MVP of the NCCA three-day start. Yeah, two rewards. And uh, I know that he loved being in being out in Spain and he worked really hard out there as well. So uh, hats off to Con. He's been, yeah, he's, been a uh, brilliant cricketer and competitor in the league. I think, the, as you say, we, it's a story that we keep coming back to time and time again, myself and you, these left-arm spinners are, I used to say they're gold dust, but actually there's quite a lot more of them out there than they used to be. Um, and any club who's got them seems to do bloody well. Um, and they all, you know, a bit like Connor, a bit like uh, Matthew Siddle up in uh, the north, they're all yeah. bloody competitive as well. Yeah, they all, they all just want to win. I think if you're a spinner, you've got to have that uh, competitive edge. And if you look at, I don't know, I, I mentioned James Anderson because he, he said on comms a couple of years ago that, as a medium pacer, all I've got, I haven't got a bouncer, I haven't got, you know, the fast, quick pace of a Mark Wood. And mm-hmm. as a spinner, the same, you just lolly drop it on a spot or spin it on a spot, I suppose. Being a bit harsh. Yeah. Uh, and you're waiting for a mistake. And if you haven't got that competitive edge, you've got to make, you know, you've got to make all the wins you can. And that one percent is if you're competitive and you're, you know, fight, you, you're in the fight and you want the win, which Connor and Matt Siddle, you mentioned, definitely does. It's just another, something else over a batter that, doesn't necessarily always want to be there or you can make a pretty hard place to bat sometimes if you're in a, in and around them. Definitely. And in in the home counties, Prem, would you say the league is very much a spin-heavy league in terms of competitiveness or is it a pace league with, and that's why the batters are in it's so hard? It's a really good question. Um, we try. I'm just going to look down the... Yeah, well, I'm just going to look at... Looking down the teams I've got on my iPad... You know, every, every team, every team has got the, an out-and-out seamer minimum one, if not two, mm-hmm. uh, and every team's got a, a frontline spinner. So I, I don't know if that if that means you know, obviously spin works and gets loads of wickets, but every team needs a seamer to apply pressure whenever they can. And I wouldn't say it's either which way dominant. I would say I caveat that with it depends where you play. So yeah. if you looked at the number of runs scored at Datchet compared to Wokingham, we're quite a big slow outfield ground. It's a very, very small, you know, vacuum yeah. of an outfield. You know, spinners tend to go for more runs there, but equally with more wickets because it's that risk reward. And team is at Woken and might get a little bit more out of it because bats are trying to hit it a bit harder and from day to day because the outfield is bigger and longer. Yeah, I wouldn't place my finger on whichever whichever way it, it would flip. I suppose it depends. I'd say it depends where you play. So I think one of the other issues that we come across constantly is my favourite subject, full stop, end of story. It's the format that gets played that dictates how clubs build their teams. And you have this quite unique one, in my opinion, where you play 50 over games the first five and the last four games of the season. 
and then you play timed games for the middle nine. So from a coaching staff perspective, building a squad to do both is literally like building a test squad and a 50-over squad and trying to meld them together, can't you? Yeah, yeah, you're spot on. It's unique. I think it's brilliant. I think it, if you flipped a coin and, you know, whichever way it landed, it would be, it would sum up how the players also think about it. It's 50 of which one you prefer. Who, you know, do you like how the league's run? Um, and considering we only feed into minor counties or national counties, sorry, I keep making that mistake, national counties at this stage who play T20s, one days, and then three day cricket, yeah. it actually feeds really well with that timing stuff. So the pink ball went up until, what's that, gets to the start of June. Perfect. Mm. Well, that's T20s and one days through. And then by the middle way of the season, we get into the Red Bull stuff on a national county on a Sunday. So great, you've had four weeks of practice for that. Yeah. Uh, and I think that could be could be reason good reason why it's geared that way. But in terms of building a squad, you're absolutely right. You just need versatile cricketers. And also clubs need to be really transparent and aware that you know, someone might play nine games for the first team a year and nine for the second team, depending on which format that's going to be. From a bowling point of view, obviously, it's just, it's just two different formats and two different games. And you've got to get yourself in that, you know, if that's training or got to get yourself in that mindset where mm. sometimes none, none for 30 is as good as anything in a white and a pink ball game or yeah uh, and if you're going to buy more overs get your body ready for that no most definitely and i think i think that'd be an interesting one Hugh, as we go through the, the forthcoming season looking at where the successes in the nwca are versus the league format that these guys play in because in our own league it's a win-lose full stop 50 50 you know 50 overs win-lose done that's it so the guys don't get any timed game practice. Um, whereas NCCA, you've got to be able to do all three formats. There's no two ways about it. And you're getting to do that right, right throughout the season. So that's quite an interesting one for us to look at through the season in terms of those stats, I think, Hugh, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, th- there's a fair few um, leagues who are doing the split, uh, particularly early season. Though, uh, the uh, Norfolk Prem are uh, doing it, or East Anglia Premier League, they're doing it. And North East Premier League, I think, do it as well. It's just they don't, it, it's hard to pick out. Uh, I know the Hertfordshire League actually run two separate leagues. It's yeah. two separate leagues registered on the on play cricket, but um, a lot of them just sort of marked on a scorecard somewhere. But um, yeah, it's. I think I think it's less unusual than you think. You know whether it's something that teams are going to move towards mm. or teams are moving away from it is is the question. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting one that, and we'll see. I, I wonder how much you know, say in our local league, the Derbyshire League, whether teams maybe would like to take that. So option. The, the question for Andy is the, the one that I, I ask everyone now. If you had a format to play tomorrow, you've only got one game to play. Is it T10, T20, 50, or are you going to start a three-day game? Uh, the Krigger in me says a three-day because it, you get two chances to get a run. <laughs> <laughs> which, for me, which for me is really important if you looked at anything I did in August. It's a really hard question. I love, I absolutely love the 50 over comp. Yeah, really fortunate to have some success in that and a good team. So that's probably one I'd go towards. If I play one tomorrow, yeah. it'd be a 50-over game because your, your skill levels are being tested along a, a, a long enough time period that tends to happen the better, the mm-hmm. best skill will always prevail. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, T10, you saw you saw are in Spain, it's just a brutal game. Yeah. Not one for the faint of heart. And T20, again, one one person can, you know, we saw finals day uh, in the in the national counties where <laughs> Nils Priestley just absolutely blasts us away. Yeah, with his phenomenal ball striking, you know, again, that's where just hats off to the lad that had the day out in the sun. So yeah, fifty over stuff. The one thing that we've talked about very briefly is the fact that all rounders need to be really critical in your league. So should you have a look at those top all round performances, Hugh? Yeah, but don't jump in the all rounders. Um, uh, depending on what you class as an all rounder, but AJ Woodland uh, is the top in my uh, half baked 
uh, analysis, 600 runs, nearly 700 runs at 48 and 31 wickets. Then you've got uh, Ewan Woods, 428 runs and 29 wickets. Ben Labas, who, you know, he counts, he's got 170 runs there, 36 wickets. Uh, Mohamed Rizvi, 237 runs at 23 and then 32 wickets at 15 as well. And then number five, Sean, Sean Khan, Wokingham, 353 runs at 30 and 24 wickets at 22. So there's the top five there. But yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of league winning, you see it when we've done these programmes, you see yeah. that the, the all-rounders, the guys, you know, if a club's got one of the top all-rounders in the league, they're generally towards the top of the league. It's very rare that they're, you know, one-man teams. You can build teams around these kind of players. Definitely. The, the one name that wasn't picked out there in terms of what we'd call a pure all-rounder, but we can't not really mention him, is Mr. Dan Lincoln. You know, he, he's critical as a wicket keeper in terms of that sort of all roundness and huge a wicket keeper himself. So, um, well. you know, yeah, <laughs> he said, well, um, you know, Dan scored big runs in the league as well as what he's done throughout the NCAA last year. And I think he came second in the catches for the, for the league as well. That's just as critical these days now, isn't it? I have, have that sort of level of all rounder. Yeah, I think you beat me to it. I was going to mention Dan, uh, but also we had to because kind of... otherwise we get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'd definitely get in trouble. No, so uh, you beat me to it. I think you know it's all well and good saying, well, you know, you're AJ Woodlands and um, you Labasses of the world, but equally, if you look at Datchett, Calvin Dickinson, who's, who's a frontline keeper, I know he shared it a little bit this year in, in his mixed availability. Callum Russell from Aston Rowan, obviously Dan Lincoln. There, if you have a good keeper yeah. who doesn't drop drop a thing and, and is able to contribute with a bat, I mean, that's two skills, which is all you know. The balance of your team is that much easier, and then if you're shipping an all-rounder as an overseas, or you you manage to get an AJ Woodland-esque player mm-hmm. as well, all of a sudden the balance of the team is that much easier, and it's just it's so important, it's just so important for club cricket to have that because then it also frees up. If we've been early about youngsters and Colts, and it frees up that number six, seven, eight batting spot for someone that not necessarily is going to bowl, but it's going to need that changing experience for the next couple yeah. of years to then push himself onwards in the game. If that's a club, minor count, national count, sorry, or, or just in you know, into a major county, I think it's really important. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Well, you give me a bit of a Radio 5 link there, which I thank you for, Andy, because the next question we always like to ask about is those youngsters and those emerging talents coming through. Who would you put your finger on and, you know, names for us to look out for in 2024 in particular in the future with, throughout the league? Batters, bowlers, whoever you think. Very good question. Local working lad mentioned him slightly before. Sorry, I mentioned him a little bit before. Jane Barson is a mm-hmm. 18 lad. He's had good experience in our working side. I think he's going to go from Strength, strength. Not so young anymore, but Johnny Connell, Henley, opening batter, he's at Exeter Uni. Obviously, another Berkshire lad. I'll, I'll move away from Berkshire shortly, I promise. Moving down the teams, uh, there is a there's a seaman that plays for High Wickham that played a handful of games. I can't remember his name, which is bad of me. Uh, he, he's, I think he's going to be pretty good, like pretty raw seamer. Other youngsters, Hayden Rousseau at Rowan, he'll be upset for me calling him a youngster, but he's only 20, 21. And I think if you're looking at actually what young is these days, like in cricket, I think he's he, he's batter. And just I think he's one more year away from making full bridge assistance sit coming over from South Africa as an overseas mm. a few years ago in the state. He could be very, very good as well. He scored big runs. Well, he's fourth on the list of highest scores, Hayden Rousseau, with 152 not off 171 balls. Yeah, so a terrific performance there. We haven't actually touched on the top scores. Um, mm. with Calvin Dickinson. Uh, was top score 180 off 97 balls. <laughs> I think I was chasing about 400 and they, they got it in that 5 0 spare. Amazing, a, amazing game. Yeah, chasing 361. Yeah, 361. 
So yeah, terrific performance. Yeah, there's a few big scores. So that was one of the biggest scores in the country this year at the top there. But um, the one, the one uh, I was going to mention actually is uh, Lloyd Sabin. Lloyd Sabin. Yeah, who is popped up on a few of these stats yeah. over the last few years. Been around a while, I, I think. And yeah, but Banbury, but uh, 47 runs and six wickets in a game. So I think he needs a, a shout out for that. Terrific. Oh, terrific wickets as well for Lloyd. Yeah, yeah, just turning yeah, yeah. up over these days. Yeah, Lloyd's yeah, yeah. Uh, a stalwart for Banbury. Yeah, yeah, real. Um, no, I'm not, I can't call him a veteran because he's not much older than me, but he's a uh, someone that's been in the league now. For, he, I, I call him. He's a play a play cricket veteran. I can look at his stats and they go all yeah, the way back. There we go. So I've got plenty of play cricket veterans. So there you yeah, go. He, he's not BPC. He's not before play cricket like I would be. No, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. In, in terms of that sort of the, the inverted commas veterans. It, you know, is there is there a real general change coming in being a, such a competitive league that everyone is looking for that next new big thing in the home counties Premier League? Yeah, I think so. I think I think strength in the national county, especially Bucks, Berkshire, Oxfordshire. Now the links they've got with major counties, so we often don't see them until the back end. Yeah, if that makes sense. I think one I'd mention would be probably the best part of now ten years ago. Martin Anderson played at Reading. He's on the Middlesex Academy. We've pushed that way, and mm-hmm. we've seen him had some success in the professional game, but he. He was probably the one that you'd all look at at 18, 19 years on and go, well, yeah, no, that's that's yeah. definitely going to be a pro in the making. Trying to think around the count, think around the scores now. I think you make a good point in the demographic moving on. I think now your your previous, I think Chris Peplow probably now one of the older ones in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously woken him with mixed availability. Hopefully he's gone another year in him. Fingers crossed. You know, Wes Morick mentioned already he retired kind of last year and still sort of manages the rowing coaching stuff yeah. and like real veteran of the game. Then mm-hmm. I think I think now we're at the stage where each club has probably got one or two guys coming up through that have real potential and excitement, and which is why they need those. You mentioned already the all rounders, the wicket keepers and batters that give them the chance to, to really go for it. Definitely, definitely. I hope that kind of answers your question. Yeah, um, most, de- bit, most bit definitely. Vague, but... We're starting to see a little bit of a trend of thing across Premier Leagues around the country. There's more money involved in. Premier Leagues without a shadow uh, there's more sponsorship coming in and as a consequence there's more attraction for players to go to those places isn't there um, and I think straight away that means that we are going to see a little bit of a demographic move over the next five to ten years in cricket generally because there's a guard change isn't there and you know, I know at my own club we've got all-stars and dynamos cricket players who are just about going to go into under 13s now and all of a sudden, a year later, they could be playing in second eleven, third eleven cricket. That that's a massive change from ten years ago. So I think it is going it is going to change. Thoughts on next season, Andy? We're, you know, we're recording this on a very cold, wet, and windy November day. You've just had a couple of weeks basking in the sunshine in Spain. That's what European cricket people think is. It was a bit harder than that. We'll come to that. <laughs> Yeah, do you, can you see much in the way of change in terms of your own club or in terms of signings during the winter? Um, yes, before I do, I remembered the Wargrove overseas. Xavier Bartlett, I think New Zealand Day. Yeah. Unbelievable bold ro- rocket bolts and, and whacked it. That's that was a, one of the overseas who's uh-huh. not at me again. There yet. you go, yeah. thank you. Um, yeah. It's a really good question. Listen, I can't give I can't give loads away because it needs to be done through the right channels, but I think club cricket in the home counties is there's a lot of movement in in inside the league year on year and I think I think a handful of that isn't necessarily high-end players I think a lot of that is just guys finding the right clubs to play out for their yeah. own for their own social Saturdays which is so important um, and funnily enough the guys that move there to better their own you know to better their lives make their lives more convenient or whatever it might be they'll play better because they're happier and they're enjoying it more um, in terms of moving we've made a couple of good signings we're going to lose a couple of players that's the way it goes I think we all we'll not I wouldn't say we're better off because of the lads that are leaving obviously it's a shame but we're 
we're going to gain some real experience. And I know Walgrave are going to be doing the same. Everyone's on a recruiting hike this time of year. And look at look at the Gibby guys. The one to watch would be the guys coming up in the league. So Oxford Downs and Great Brickle, who who performed really well last year in the in the sort of Div One feeder league. Yeah. Um, and Oxford Downs have signed a very handy overseas. Uh, so on social media that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and Great Brickhill are uh, sort of led by, I think their coach is Johnny Cato, uh, obviously Oxfordshire legend in his own right. So they'll they'll, they'll look to recruit and, and get get the right players in. And there there will be lots of movement. Lot, there's lots of there's always lots of movement. It's really exciting actually that the league that we're in because people stay in the league and just go play different teams. Definitely, and I think the one thing that social media has done for all cricket generally, but Premier League cricket especially is it, it does build that bit of excitement around these movements now. You know, 10, 20 years ago in particular, you'd find out in the newspaper two weeks later that someone's moved. Now we can actually make something of it. And then all of a sudden clubs are going, well, there's an element of not just keeping up with the Joneses, but actually can we outdo the Joneses all the time? Yeah, absolutely. It's just that instant access to the information and also instant access to players. You can DM and get mm-hmm. hold of someone's number in, you know, in no time at all. Which is pretty cool, right? Because it just makes things more, say, more exciting. Definitely. Hey, it would be remiss of us not to talk briefly about uh, what happened over in Spain over the last couple of weeks. You're a two-time winner of the European Championships now. How can I put it? We didn't start quite as quickly as we potentially wanted to, but boy, did we get into that tournament and really the class stood at the end. Um, is that how you felt it amongst the squad? Yeah, absolutely. Speaking to obviously Dan and Lambo Logues and Bevs I and mean, even Richard Edwards, every year it's it's just a different vibe and it's it's not never a bad one. It's just different if that's a harder or a bit tougher. And those are two very different things as well, mm. especially when it comes to sort of European cricket and T ten cricket. The the ECN run it brilliantly. It's you've got a shout out to them. They're a little bit they run by Dan Weston and from yeah. the moment you land, it's just you looked after. It was it's definitely different. We it's it's never easy to start. We had nine new lads coming. I think last year we had six new lads that came and they found it tough you know we got nine to try and not coach or not teach or but just sort of guide in in how this cricket works and fair hats off to every single one that came they did their research before we had lots of meetings about lots of bit of training watching a lot of the, the qualifiers before we went out and effectively is just free license you know whatever it is if you're a bowler every ball's different if it goes to six just make sure the next one doesn't and there's a batter how many can you get out the screws? And yeah, it was it was hard. It was tough. It was a long two weeks for any any you know, tour <laughs> and that intense as well. It's a tough two weeks, and lads definitely felt that. But you're right. By the time we got to that sort of finals week, we were cooking and ready to go. Yeah. But it was good, you know. Look back to the Wednesday we qualified. We lost to Switzerland. We didn't just lose either. If you watch that game back, we got absolutely hammered. Yeah. Um, and you know, we had messages and people say, well. How do you lose to Switzerland? You know, people saying they're a dangerous batting line. You know, that what absolute white noise to anyone that's sort of playing any sport. Mm. And that's that's just the nature of it. You know, there's no easy game. We were in their backyard. They play this sort of regularly this format of cricket on Astros with short yeah. boundaries with white balls that fly like golf balls, and that's just the nature of it. But um, it was hard to get into, and the guys did so well. And Lambo and Logues led brilliantly. Obviously, Dan does his thing on the pitch, seconds yeah. enough. And yeah, I can't, I can't speak high enough of anyone that went out there and anyone that was out there with any other team it was great well, I think one of the the, the least shocked people uh, watching the games from afar was me when Switzerland beat you because Vinny Sandu had said to me pre-tournament that he they were his dark horses and that was because obviously he follows East, European cricket week in week out he sees the quality that's coming through and he said Switzerland were going to make some 
what would you describe it? He was going to cause a shock or two. Uh, and they did in that game, but it was probably a good thing for you. It gave you that little bit of a, you know, we're, we're not totally invincible because everyone thinks that England go out there being invincible full stop, don't they? But it, it made you came back from it just stronger, to say the least, didn't you? Absolutely. It was actually really interesting on that day. You kind of get a bit of a gut feeling. I was speaking to, to Lambo and I said, it's a couple of the lads that have been before and you know, the absolute honesty is you're going to mess up. You're going to hiccup or hit a roadblock or equally someone else on the other team is going to have a day out at some point. Just make sure it's not on that one game on the Wednesday afternoon or the one game the following Friday. Yeah. Uh, and the truth was, when it happened, a few of us were quite happy about it. Yeah. Like, And that's the honest truth. You can sit here now and, and say that pretty honestly. We're happy with that. So when we messed up and made sure that it didn't happen again. And even Malta, who I say Malta, Malta were brilliant. The following week when Scotland didn't get through, Portugal uh, and obviously Germany, these these teams that just come out and like hugely talented ball strikers and bowlers. And, and that, that, yeah, that's why, it's why it's so exciting. Definitely, definitely. So the, the big question is, are you going to go back next year if you if picked? Um, with my fiancé around the corner aren't uh, listening and I probably uh, probably can't say yes. But uh, I need to be picked, that's the first thing. And, and listen, I think three times is enough for, for any anyone to go out there and and face that that absolute heart agonizing heart rate throughout those games. It'd be a privilege to be selected again, and that will be will be. If I don't go, I don't go. Wish the lads best of luck, and if I go, I'll um, I'll give them best again. Yeah, as I say, three times is definitely enough for, definitely. for anyone to do that. I suppose the final question for me, a little bit around European cricket, but cricket in general for you, Andy. You played a lot of bloody cricket this season. You know, for, if you go back to April all the way through to yeah, end of October almost, how on earth have you got through all of that lot? Apart from having a very, very, very uh, nice fiancé, clearly very understanding. Yeah, she's very understanding. It's, it's a tough one. I'm, I'm really lucky. Uh, we said off, offline that you know, I'm a teacher. I get to work in schools and teach sport. And being around that, you've got a constant buzz. And even if you have a bad day, you're just always looking forward to either training or batting or bowling or teaching whatever it might be. And, and I think there's just a genuine passion for, for the game and, and for growth. And it's what's sort of kept my fire alight has been the growth. And if that's whether in my a club I've moved to from, from Henley to Wokenham, I've yeah. actually loved that. If that's playing for Berkshire and seeing young lags now coming through, playing my 100th game and still playing with new lads on a Sunday that absolutely deserve to be there and perform and go on to professional game or going to Spain and playing with a new nine totally new bunch of lads that are now I will know forever. You know, that's at the end of the day, that's what cricket is just brilliant for and creating those memories, friendships and times of, you know, hard, tough times that you learn from. I think that's probably what keeps me going and it won't be forever. You're a long time retired, as Dan Lincoln tells me. You're a long time retired, so make it, make it all count while you can. Definitely, definitely. I think you've just probably written the trailer for this podcast episode. Um, it, it just absolutely sums up what we think cricket's all about, and it's why we do what we do here, isn't it? Well, we don't do it as well as these guys do, I suppose, and, and probably no, never did. The podcast, you didn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not the cricket. Yeah, most most definitely, most definitely. Hey, Andy, it's been an absolute pleasure talking about home counties, Premier League, and uh, having a little bit of a, a European cricket chat at the end there. Hopefully, we'll keep in touch during next season. You know, we're going to be doing this every week. We want to see what's going on around the country in the Premier League. And we're going to be following the NCCA, as we said, very closely. We think there's a huge amount of bloody good cricket, no two ways about it, uh, to, to get through there. Um, so look forward to catching up with you again next year. Brilliant, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And um, thanks for looking after me. Cheers, Andy. Cheers, Andy. Thanks for listening to the Premier League Cricket Show. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on future episodes and stay updated on all the latest news, views and discussions from around the Cricket Premier Leagues. And be sure to follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, and Instagram, at TPL Cricket Show, on both. Join the conversation, share your thoughts and connect with us 
and your fellow Premier League cricket fans. And hey, if you enjoyed the show, why not show us some love? Leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast platform as it helps other potential listeners to find us when they're searching for cricketing podcasts. Thanks again for being part of the Premier League Cricket Show family and until next time, have a good one. Podcast Network.